Two weeks ago was Mother's Day, and I almost blew it. On Mother's Day, I usually try to find some way to tie the text to mothers, but I had given no thought to it while reworking the sermon on the rich young ruler. On the morning I was set to record it, however, I woke up in a panic. I realized I had forgotten it would be broadcast on Mother's Day. But as I lay there wondering how I could work mothers into the message, it dawned on me that Jesus had assured the disciples that if they had left families behind to follow him, they would be blessed with more brothers and sisters and mothers and children in the kingdom. And when I noticed that fathers weren't even mentioned in the list of what they would get back, I got excited because mothers had been given the spotlight. I had what I needed. And then I came up with the idea of holding up a bouquet to honor all the spiritual mothers who were watching since none could be here to receive a corsage we traditionally pass out. I was feeling pretty good about it until I got a text message from my favorite florist that said my fake flower bush just wasn't the same. When I assured her it was real and that I had paid $3 for it at County Market because she wasn't open, she said she was surprised I hadn't just picked some dandelions. <laughs> at least I tried. And I thought it was all behind me until I started reading the sermon I had preached 18 years ago on Mother's Day. The text, which we come to today, is about the sons of Zebedee. But I had brought their mother into the picture and entitled it the Sons of Salome. Since she really isn't in the text, I thought I'd simply remove any reference to her and rewrite the sermon as the Sons of Thunder. But then I thought again. Not only did I like the sermon as I had written it, it just didn't seem right to cut out their mother, especially in light of my less than stellar attempt to put moms in my Mother's Day sermon this year. So we're going to look again at the sons of Salome, and I'm going to have a second chance at a Mother's Day sermon. The text... The text for today opens by identifying James and John as the two sons of Zebedee, but they were also the sons of Salome. The name Salome, which is the feminine form of Solomon, appears twice in the New Testament, both times referring to the same person. We do know, however, that there was another Salome who also played an important role in the New Testament story. Even though the Bible doesn't give us her name, we know from Josephus, the Jewish historian, that the daughter of Herodias, who danced before Herod and asked for the head of John the Baptist, was named Salome, but she's not the one we're thinking about today. The Salome we're talking about was named in the company of Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Less and Joseph in Mark 1540 and 16.1. In Matthew's passage that parallels Mark 1540, the third woman is referred to as the mother of Zebedee's children. And there's no question about Zebedee being the father of James and John, 
the brothers Jesus nicknamed Sons of Thunder. Now, Mark doesn't record the incident that really demonstrates the appropriateness of their nickname, but Luke does. After leaving Galilee on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus was refused accommodations in a Samaritan village, and James and John responded by saying, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, we have no record that Jesus ever gave the apostles the, the power to command fire to come down from heaven and consume anyone, as Elijah had done. So whether they were really that offended or just wanted power to do something they thought would be impressive, we don't know. We do know, however, that they were diamonds in the rough. And the Holy Spirit would have a lot of work to do in their lives to make them into Christ-like apostles. The picture we get of them in today's text is also less than complimentary. For we see they were manipulative, they were self-centered, and they should have known better. We're in Mark chapter 10, ready for verses 35 to 37. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. Now, according to Matthew's account, it wasn't James and John who approached Jesus. It was their mother. In Matthew 20, 20 and 21, we read, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. We really can't be sure whose idea this was. It certainly wouldn't be out of character for a mother to want special seats of honor for her sons. And it does seem strange that right after saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. The two of Jesus' inner circle of three would so misunderstand the reason they were heading to Jerusalem that they would ask to have the honor of sitting at his right and left in his glory, or as Matthew recorded, in his kingdom. Now, I guess it's possible that they were thinking about the kingdom to follow the crucifixion and resurrection, but I doubt it. As we noted last week, they didn't understand the spiritual nature of the kingdom of God or the need for Christ's death until after the resurrection. They were still thinking of an earthly kingdom the Jews were mistakenly expecting. Maybe they thought Jesus' reign of glory would come before his death, and all this talk about mocking and spitting and scourging and killing was a bit premature, that Jesus was just letting them know that someday the glory would come to an end. But even if that was what they were thinking, 
For them to so ignore what Jesus had just said and think only of themselves is shocking. So much so that some have suggested that Matthew shifted the blame to their mother just to make the apostles look better. Matthew having been written some years after Mark. But I don't think we can let them off the hook that easily. Mark says nothing about their mother's involvement in this request and shows them trying very hard to get what they want. They don't even say what it is they want before asking Jesus to give it to them. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. They sound like spoiled kids saying, give me what I want. And it may very well have been two spoiled boys who got their mom involved in all this. Matthew makes it clear that they were there when Salome approached Jesus. And they were the ones to quickly assure him they could do whatever was necessary to get the glory. She didn't say, I'm sure they can do it. They said, we are able. I think it was their idea. And they knew their mother would have special pull with Jesus. Now, I mentioned before that it's the parallel accounts in Matthew and Mark that enable us to give the name Salome to the mother of Zebedee's children. It's a third parallel account in John's gospel that reveals that Salome is a sister to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Salome was Jesus' aunt. That means James and John were Jesus' cousins. And if anyone should have the seats of honor in his kingdom, surely it would be his cousins. And if anyone could convince Jesus of such, it would surely be Aunt Salome. James and John were doing everything they could to get what they wanted. They were trying to manipulate Jesus by asking him to give them whatever they wanted before asking for it. And they were trying to use their mother and their family connections to their advantage. So they were manipulative. And they were self-centered. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. James and John were pretty sure of themselves. When Jesus asked if they were able to drink the cup he would drink, they basically said, not a problem. The cup Jesus was about to drink would be a problem. It would be a bitter cup indeed. When in the Garden of Gethsemane, considering just how hard it would be, James and John would see Jesus grieved and distressed, sweat falling from him like drops of blood. 
And they would hear him say, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he had just told them that his cup would include mocking and spitting and scourging and crucifixion. Who would ask if they would be able to drink it. Without thinking, they said, sure, we can do it. And when he asked if they would be able to keep from drowning in the flood of sorrows that would overwhelm him, the baptism with which he would be baptized, they in effect said, we can handle it. And actually, they did. Jesus made it clear that they would indeed share in his suffering. They too would share a bitter cup and find themselves immersed in sorrow. It would come to them whether they wanted it or not. But places of honor in the kingdom couldn't be passed out like political favors. The seats of honor were being prepared by God for the most deserving, and only God would know who that might be. For them to assume they deserved it more than anyone else was blatant self-centeredness. The other disciples recognized it as such and began to feel indignant. They felt the same way Jesus felt when they tried to keep little children from coming to him. It's been widely suggested that the other disciples were upset because James and John beat them to the punch. And rivalry isn't foreign to the disciples. They had already argued about who among them was the greatest. But they were genuinely shocked by the behavior of James and John. And as we've noted before, indignation is righteous anger caused by unjust actions, not petty jealousy over a personal slight. They couldn't believe that James and John thought they deserved more honor than anyone else in the entire kingdom of God. They were indeed self-centered, thinking only of themselves and how they could get ahead of everyone else. But they should have known better. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This shouldn't have been a foreign concept to any of the disciples. When they had been debating among themselves about preeminence, Jesus called them to himself and said, If anyone wants to be first, he should be last of all and servant of all. They also knew that life in the kingdom was supposed to be different than life in the world. From the Beatitudes on, Jesus had made it clear that the kingdom was based on different principles. Rulers of the Gentiles like to lord it over others, and men of prominence like to exercise their authority, as we've all been made keenly aware in the current pandemic. But Jesus made it clear that in the kingdom, the way to greatness is through servanthood. 
And whoever wants to be number one in the kingdom must become slave of all. He turned the pyramid of power on his head. Rather than having a base of underlings all seeking to please the one on top, the greatest in the kingdom is the one at the bottom, supporting and serving everyone else. And Jesus not only taught this, he modeled it. He had come not to be served, but to serve. The Apostle Paul would hold this up as an example for us to follow in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. James and John should have known better. They should have learned the principle of servanthood from Jesus, and they should have learned it from their mother. What we do know about Salome doesn't fit the picture that some try to paint of a mother scheming to get her sons the seats of honor. She wasn't a woman who sought to be honored. She was a woman who served. When she is named along with Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the Less and Joseph, it is said that they had followed Jesus from Galilee with many other women to minister to him, to serve him. Who do you think took care of Jesus and the disciples when they were traveling around the country teaching and healing others? It was Salome, Jesus' aunt, and a host of other faithful women. Who do you think paid for the food they ate? According to Luke, it was the women who supported Jesus and the disciples out of their private means. Who was there? Standing by the cross of Jesus with his mother. It was Salome, Mary's sister, and a few other women. And when Jesus told John to care for Mary as his own mother... And John took her into his household. It was most likely into the home of Zebedee and Salome that they went. Multiple generations lived together in households in Jesus' day. Few couples had their own house. So in asking John to take Mary into his home, Salome was also being asked to take her sister into her home. And apparently... She didn't object. And yes, it was Salome, along with Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who took spices to the tomb early Sunday morning to make sure Jesus' body was properly prepared. She was a woman who served, 
not one who sought the limelight. And James and John should have learned such from her. And I think eventually they did. With a little help from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, of course. The brothers who jockeyed for positions of honor became apostles who gave themselves completely in service to others and to the kingdom. James became the first apostle to die for the faith, killed by the sword of Herod Agrippa. And John became the last living apostle, exiled on the island of Patmos because of his faith and ministry. The sons of thunder eventually lived up to their mother's name and became in every respect the sons of Salome. May we too become sons and daughters of Salome, following her example by serving Christ, supporting kingdom work, standing by the cross, and celebrating at an empty tomb. And may we, like Jesus, regard one another as more important than ourselves and willingly give up our own personal interests and even some of our freedoms for the sake of those who are most at risk in the current environment. Father, we come before you so grateful for the example we see in Salome. We see how her faithfulness was played out eventually in the lives of her sons. Let us be like them and her. Let us not be worried about positions of power and glory positions of service and ministry. Let us, like Jesus, not be worried about what we are having to give up or what's our right or what's our freedom, but pray for courage and faith and confidence in you to, to give up our rights, if need be, for the sake of others. Jesus did that. Help us, Father to be faithful followers of Christ and help us to be sons and daughters of Salome in every respect. That's my prayer today in Jesus' name.